There's a lot of conversation happening about the ethical uses of data and statistics. How much weight should we put on numbers at all? How thoroughly should we investigate the methodologies used to create them? And who has access to the data? A special issue of Chance focuses on statistics and data science for good. And that's the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's departments of statistics and media journalism and film as well as the american statistical association joining me is regular panelist john baylor chair of miami statistics department we have two guests joining us today Caitlin Augustine is responsible for delivering DataKind's core offerings, ensuring that high-quality data science interventions are created in partnership with social sector leaders. Before DataKind, Augustine worked as a research scientist at a digital education company and as an engineering professor at New York University. Matt Brems is Senior Manager of Data Science Product and Strategy with DataRobot and Managing Partner and Principal Data Scientist at Beta Vector, a data science consultancy. His full-time professional data work spans computer vision, finance, education, consumer packaged goods, and politics. Brems volunteers with Statistics Without Borders and currently serves on their executive committee as vice chair. They, along with Davina Durgana, guest edited the special issue of Chance focused on stats for good. Caitlin and Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. I just, I guess I'm just curious what prompted this particular special issue. So, uh, as you mentioned, I work or volunteer with Statistics Without Borders. And my colleague, Dr. Davina Dragana, who currently serves as chair of Statistics Without Borders, uh, she came up with the idea to get a group of individuals together to talk with DataKind, uh, to talk with other organizations and see, is this something that we can put together? Specifically, can we talk about how data science and how statistics and how this uh, philanthropic work that we in these various organizations do can be used for good? Uh, so through conversations between her and Dr. Augustine, uh, we had talked about really how can we publicize this a little bit more? Uh, and I believe it was uh, Davina and Caitlin who reached out to Amanda at Chance to really set the wheels in motion here and then started to broaden the network of people who we could bring in, the types of articles that we wanted to include, uh, and went from there. So can you talk a little bit about the types of articles? And, you know, perhaps, Caitlin, you could also add on to kind of the, the conception and, and early framing of this project. Yeah, absolutely. So as Matt said, you know, um, this was really the brainchild of, of the team at SWB. And um, DataKind was thrilled to be invited early on to, to join the conversation. And what I think is so unique is the group of organizations represented in the edition, uh, we, we span the pro bono data science movement. So DataKind being a volunteer driven organization, SWB being volunteer driven, representation from academia, from the, the AAAS, from other think tanks, um, from entities who are, who are doing data for good work at, at many levels of, of both impact and, and organizational um, engagement but also of data maturity. So when you when you get into the articles in Chance, you'll see articles that are really about traditional statistics. You'll see data visualization. So how can we honestly make basic data and reporting accessible to organizations to help them drive uh, data-driven decision-making to, to be able to increase their social impact, to doing you know, perhaps more 
advanced machine learning and artificial intelligence work. Um, and I think that's a real, the real power of bringing together so many organizations under this, this big tent or big umbrella of data for good. Maybe it would be a good time, too, for you each to, to explain what Statistics Without Borders and Datakind are for the people who are not glued into that. So Statistics Without Borders is an organization of, to date, about 1,800 volunteers around the globe. We were founded in 2008 to be uh, an organization under the auspices of the American Statistical Association. And really, the, the four people who co-founded Statistics Without Borders just said, hey, there's a lot of people with some extra time, some extra energy. There's certainly this, this enormous need in the world for people to make better data-driven decisions or uh, statistically driven decisions. And how can we, as these people, as these volunteers, help address that need? So this group of volunteers came together and uh, Gary Shapiro is one of the people who co-founded SWB. And to this day, remarks about how Statistics Without Borders has scaled. He said that he thought that maybe this is something that would take on a project or two a year. Maybe Statistics Without Borders might grow to 30 or 40 volunteers. And now in 2021, we've got, uh, I believe it's north of 1,800 volunteers at this point. Uh, so fully volunteer organization. And what we do is people come to us, organizations come to us, uh, specifically not-for-profit organizations, and say, we have a problem. We believe that we can use statistics or data science to solve it, but we need your help. We don't have the money or we don't have the in-house talent to be able to um, have a data scientist or a statistician or anybody help us with this. We need your assistance. And so... Uh, that project will then go through a process that we've defined and Statistics Without Borders in a nutshell just helps these client organizations work on their projects and their work, uh, focusing on social good and the betterment of society as a whole. So before we go to DataKind, can you, could you give an example of, of one or two of the projects that, so maybe even the recent projects that, that Stat Without Borders has worked on? Yeah, the projects themselves are really diverse. So uh, one example, when COVID-19 hit and you know, racked the United States and the globe as a whole, uh, that one of the big challenges in the United States was small businesses were shuttering. Uh, small businesses yeah. needed to find ways to remain viable. Larger organizations had a bit more security, but um, small businesses, if they needed to lay off employees or if, if they needed to make really hard decisions, how would they go about doing that? So the U.S. government made funding available as well as other organizations made funding available to small businesses. But that's tough for a small business to, to navigate. A small business is making the decision about who to lay off if needed. How do you, you know, scrimp and save to make sure that you can keep your doors open so that you can provide for yourself and provide for your employees? Small businesses probably don't have a ton of time to go, uh, or small business owners in particular probably don't have a ton of time to go on Google and start looking for what funding sources are available, what grants are out there, and, and all of that. So one of the projects that Statistics Without Borders did, uh, and it's actually been a series of projects now, but a group of people developed a machine learning approach to identify grant awarding organizations, pull all of that information together into one central repository, where if there was a small business owner who said, maybe I do want to try and get some sort of external funding to help me out, how can I, how can I do that in, a, in an easier way than 
me Googling 40 different organizations and filling out all these different applications for various organizations. Um, so that's just one of the, the many different types of projects that Statistics Without Borders has done. So Caitlin, do you want to, to help flesh out Datakind for us and some of the work that's done there? Sure, absolutely. So Datakind, we're a global nonprofit and with the focus of using data science, machine learning, and AI in the service of humanity. Um, so different from SWB, we are an organization that does have a central staff, used to be headquartered in New York City, now headquartered all over uh, the world. Uh, we were founded um, back in 2012. We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary now. And we have a global network of five chapters worldwide um, and 20,000 volunteers. Over our time, uh, over the past nine years, we've done over 300 projects it, advancing the social impact space in, in various ways. And the, the way that we work, we work through sort of a, a number of programmatic offerings. Our big statement is to, to start with the problem, not the data. And so our first way of engagement with social impact organizations is through something that we call discovery. And, and we run um, events called discovery days, which offer a chance for just a one-on-one -on -one conversation between a expert um, in data science and an organization that has a problem that maybe data science can solve. Now, we're all data science and technologists. We, we think that, that that's the, the right lever to pull, but it's important to acknowledge data science, machine learning, AI can't solve everything. And, and that's been a lesson that I've certainly learned um, both from my time as a Datakind volunteer and then um, the past four-ish years as a staff member. We'll work on projects where um, your answer is you just have to pay health workers. Um, you know, and there's no data science, machine learning, or AI that's going to be able to fix that. Um, so it's, it's important to, to come, come into these, these problems um, and the, the space to acknowledge what can we do and what can't we do. And I, I, that's something I'm really proud uh, of us doing at Datakind. And, and I know one of the, the topics that you mentioned was sort of the, the space of data ethics. And, and really, the first ethical thing is, do we even need to do this thing in the first place? Now, Datakind wouldn't be in existence if we didn't believe that there was a reason to do these things. Um, and so but, um, we start with discovery. We, we work to identify problems uh, that we think are data scienceable. We have events that we call data dives, which are um, weekend long social impact hackathon style events, which allow us to dive into problems. We just had one in September that had a focus on community level data, where we brought nearly 300 technologists from around the world together to work on problems at a community level. In March, we had a, a, had a separate event that was really focused on open data, and we had almost 600 attendees from, from across the globe, just really trying to identify the, the pathways to using data science for impact. DataKind's flagship program is the Data Core model, um, which is where we build a partnership with a social impact organization for a period of months to years. Um, these can run as fast as three months, they can take as long as almost two years. And we, we work to co-create a solution with a social impact organization that is an end-to-end -end solution. So we, we start from that problem space and we end up delivering a data product. And that could be something as complex as work that we're doing that we shared in chance of building out um, tools to do data integrity testing across a health platform to as simple as building out Tableau dashboards so that a food pantry can check their inventories. So we really look to meet a partner organization at the level of data maturity that they're at and deliver them something that is helpful, useful, sustainable to them at the end. 
You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking about a special issue of Chance focused on statistics for good with two of the guest editors, Caitlin Augustine and Matt Brems. Now, when you were discussing your two organizations, you both kind of were talking about this diverse uh, array of projects that you've taken on. The special issue of Chance sort of features a, a diverse array of articles talking about data and stats for good. So I wondered if you could talk us through how you decided what kinds of articles you wanted to include in this special issue. One of the biggest challenges with this article was figuring out how do we fit it into the number of pages that were, that were permitted to <laughs> us. Always. Uh, there, there were a number of times when I wanted to reach out to Amanda Peterson Plunkett, the executive editor of Chance, and say, what if we just change the font to like size seven font? <laughs> is, is that an okay solution? Yeah, um, students have been doing this for decades. Yeah, this that is, is familiar. <laughs> right, but usually the other way, right? You know, usually it's making the periods larger and things like that. We, um, it, there, were, there were so many really, really good articles uh, that were submitted. And I think that a lot of that came from internal to data kind, internal to statistics without borders, we encouraged our members to submit to this and worked hand in hand with different groups within our organizations to get those papers ready for submission. In addition to that, we had, a, uh, we had an early conversation with other organizations, uh, including the Royal Statistical Society, including LISA, including AAAS, and invited them to participate as well. And I think they did something similar where the leaders or the representatives from those organizations spoke with their respective participants or volunteers or whomever and encouraged them as well to submit articles. So we had a, a good number of submissions. I forget the exact number, but um, we started with that. And then once we were able to settle on what articles would be accepted, then Caitlin did what I would describe as a masterful job of mapping all of those two a framework for social good centering around the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs. Well, that that obviously uh, leads such so nicely to the next question. You know, thank, thanks for the uh, the lob to the net there, Matt. So, 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 Caitlin, do you want to talk just a little bit about what the heck is an SDG? I mean, we've we had some folks from the UN come and, and talk a little bit about this a number of episodes ago, but but I I really like that too. When I was reading the intro to this to this uh, chance issue, I mean, you know, seeing that 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 was kind of the organizing principle really resonated with me. So, so Caitlin, would you like to talk a little bit about some of those SDGs that were particularly relevant for your organizing of this of these contributions? Sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, the for for your listeners who who aren't as familiar with the SDGs, um, they're called a, a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. There there are seventeen different goals from. Uh, eliminating poverty, to um, increasing access to education for all, to building sustainable infrastructure. Um, and, and they're really, uh, truly, the, the things that we are focusing on or, or should be focusing on as, as a world um, in, in, in order to really achieve positive um, social development and, and positive social impact. At, at Datakind, we actually ask ourselves if we can't map a project back to a sustainable development goal, is it within our mandate? Sh should we be doing that, that work? As, a, as an organizing idea in Data for Good, it's a, it's a really important philosophy for us at Datakind. Um, what I, I thought was pretty amazing going through the, the chance submissions is that we hit on so many SDGs. Um, 
often uh, Datapen does a lot of our work in in the the frontline health space. So I was I was fairly certain we were going to see let's see reduced uh, maternal mortality. Let's see indicators around access to um, to healthcare. Um, but it was it was really wonderful to see submissions uh, that came in that were focused on the environment and sustainability and really building out these access to infrastructure and, and infrastructure being digital infrastructure and digital tools as well. Um, and, and using the SDGs as our, our organizing thought to, to say, these are problems that matter. They are the, the challenges of our time and uh, that we think volunteerism and pro bono data science efforts have a real role to play in helping to, to, to solve those problems. You know, journalists like to think of themselves as being very important to democracy and democratic ideals. Um, and so as I was reading your your opening letter of the the issue, there's this point where you raised uh, the importance of the democratization of data. And I wonder, why is it important that we democratize access to data? Why should that matter to people outside of data and statistics? You, you want to empower people to to make the most informed decisions possible and and you want them to to give decision makers the the best chance at having at making us something successful and sustainable a project that we've been working on at datakind has been with um, new america's future of land and housing program and one thing that we found when we started doing this work was that something like only 70 percent of the united states can you actually access eviction data. Um, so you, you can't even, in, in across the United States, you don't un uniformly even know how many people are being evicted, how many people are losing their homes. And if you're an organization like New America, who's trying to push policy around housing security, um, not having that information um, and not being able to say, here's the, the number you need to move, here's the, the magnitude of the problem, it's it's crushing. So we need to be able to open that information up. And then you take it another layer down. New America is doing great work at a national level, pushing the policy. But I live in Orlando and I, I sit on the evictions and foreclosures task force in my, my community. And my evictions and foreclosures task force team, it was revolutionary to them when they started to get weekly reporting of those numbers because they were trying to keep people in homes. They were trying to, to share out rental assistance, but without knowing where to target that aid, you, you know, you're, you're flying by and you're doing your, your best guess. So um, being able to open up data and make that information, not just available, but accessible and, and visually useful to, to actors will, will help us drive solution building at, at so many levels of, of society. I'd like to jump on a specific phrase that Caitlin mentioned toward the start of what she was saying. And she used the phrase informed decisions. We want people to be able to make informed decisions, more informed decisions. Um, oftentimes we think about things in terms of data-driven decisions. Well, if we think back to any sort of introductory statistics course and we have to define data for students, or we try to articulate if we're statisticians or data scientists and a family member says, well, what is that? That's something that I still grapple with is, you know, every year at Thanksgiving, it's like, okay, but what do you actually do? And it often <laughs> starts with data is information. So when we think about this notion of 
informed decisions, really, it's we can think about that as data-driven decisions because data is information. That information is context. And that context is critical when making any sort of decision. And so by providing more data, by providing more information, by providing more context, we help people to make better decisions. We help people to avoid the challenges of asymmetric information. We help organizations get access to just more context in order for them to make their decisions. And so democratizing access to data in that regard is really important. I also think there's a, a recent discussion that's been going on. Uh, I saw it on Twitter and I forget exactly where I saw it on Twitter, who, who was talking about this, but I do want to add a caveat here that, especially in this realm of big data, which is you know the, the fanciful thing that everybody loves to talk about and how big data will solve our problems. More data doesn't necessarily address our problem. More data, or in this context, big data, can move us toward the same answer with more precision. Um, so for us as statisticians, as data scientists, as people focused on how can we do the most good with our, our time and our energy and our resources, one key role that I think we play is helping people to distinguish between that. In this case, is more data and democratizing access to data, is that necessarily better? And I think in many cases, the answer is yes. And in cases where that answer is no, I think we as statisticians and data scientists play a vital role in helping people to better understand that. We provide the context behind why more biased data or more skewed data isn't necessarily going to help you make a more data-driven decision or a better decision with, with better context or anything like that. So that, that, that leads to a very natural follow-up to me. One of the particular articles, Caitlin, that you were involved with that, that was titled Pathways to Increasing Trust in Public Health Data. And, you know, given the, that, that we still are, are uh, walking lots of places indoors with masks on and still experiencing this pandemic, this idea of increasing public trust such a critical idea, although you're doing it in a different kind of context. So I, I, I was I was very much intrigued at the data quality vicious cycle. I mean, most people are talking about, you know, in the positive sense, but the idea of breaking a vicious cycle where if data were uh, viewed as being, you know, inconsistent or problematic, that in some sense it, it ends up destroying trust. So trying to address that directly. Could could you just give a, a quick synopsis of of what you were trying to address in that in that project? Absolutely. So um, in, in the Pathways paper, it, it's detailing our ongoing work between Datakind and a digital health organization named Medic. Um, and Medic uh, provides a, a, a health platform um, and a, a toolkit for collecting health data by community health workers. So people who are truly providing care at that last mile in, in, in hard to reach communities. And that data is it's collected by an application. It's a, an individual will do a routine care visit, capture data and go back. And what, we've, uh, what, what we, we heard was that data isn't trusted. So, so something is causing a lack of trust in, in community health worker collected data. Um, and once that, once you hear that the data isn't trusted, well, then you start to make decisions based on something that isn't that data. So it's like, oh, well, it's a lost cause. I'm not going to use that data. I'm going to use my own mental model. I have some other heuristic. And then you just, you don't fix your data collection processes. So you continue to collect bad data. So what Datakind and Medic have been working to do is to build in a systematic way 
data quality checks. It's a data integrity toolkit that identifies inconsistent or problematic data collected and surfaces that data for remediation. And that remediation can look like verification. No, that actually is the right data, but we're checking it, we're verifying it. It could be, okay, maybe that, that needs to be cleaned in a different way. Maybe it needs to be replaced. Maybe the toolkit needs to be cleaned. So one interesting thing that we found in doing this was you would have a recorded birth, two children were born. You'd have a rec re uh, recorded number of children alive, three children alive. Oh, well, that, that doesn't make sense. We just had two kids that were born. So why don't we build checks into our toolkits that eliminate the possibility of collecting inconsistent or problematic data in the first place? Um, and so we've, we've built this ongoing, it's this ongoing relationship with Medic, ongoing toolkit that we are building detection at their platform level on the community health toolkit, rather than at an individual and post hoc level, which is where most data quality conversations in frontline health have occurred. They've, they've sort of been at a research level, at a, at a one-off, uh, you know, it's, it's been diligent individuals, but with, with spreadsheets looking at it. Um, and we, we think that data science and machine learning can, can provide a better way to, to attacking this across, across a platform and across a deployment with the end goal of making it as sort of simple to debug your data as you would say, debug your code. So you'd have the, a, a flag and ability to remediate. As we wrap up, I'm wondering, both of your organizations um, use volunteers, uh, and I wonder if you could share how someone who is interested in becoming involved in DataKind or SWB um, might become involved. Sure. So we at DataKind actually have a call for 60 volunteers out right now. Um, so if you would like to volunteer with DataKind, connect us with us on um, Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, we are actively recruiting volunteers now. Following us on social media is the best way to stay engaged and to, to learn about uh, future volunteer opportunities. Similarly, uh, we recommend that if people want to get involved as volunteers with Statistics Without Borders, you can head to our site. We're always looking for new volunteers. And so if you head to statisticswithoutborders.org, toward the bottom of the first page, there's a volunteer application. And we're always looking for people to help assist on projects like many of the projects that are described in Chance Magazine articles, uh, but also in more uh, diverse opportunities and roles. For example, I did a stint working in marketing and communications. We want someone to run our social media accounts. And so it's helpful to have someone who has the skills and the time and the interest in doing that. So it need not be a just a project-oriented role. We've got a lot of different roles available I think in addition, um, two areas where we would love for people to also help out. One, feel free to engage with us on social media. In addition to engaging with us on social media, one of the things that we'd love for people to do is help us find clients. So if you know of an organization that is a not-for-profit organization in the United States or beyond the United States, and who has some sort of data science, statistical need, maybe they don't have the budget to hire someone like a consultant, maybe they don't have in-house statisticians to, to do the work that's necessary, um, feel free to have them reach out to us as well. Also on our, our website, there's a place where potential, uh, where prospective clients would be able to submit information about their project. Then we have, similar to what Caitlin shared earlier, uh, about how data kind of structured. We've got a structure internal to SWB about a new client acquisition team, and then that moves to 
our project and client managers and our, our expert statistical consultants and all of that. But uh, to kind of put a finer point on that, for people who are interested in getting involved, you can go to our website to be involved as a volunteer. You can encourage people to go to our website if they are a prospective client in need of support. And then feel free to engage with us on most social media platforms. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Stats and Stories. I really hope people will pick up this issue of Chance Magazine. There's some really interesting stuff in there, so congratulations on it. Yeah, thanks for the great work. Yeah, and thank you both for being here today, Caitlin and Matt. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter at Stats and Stories, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.